All right, how's everybody doing? I got this on because someone gave it to me, and I'm incredibly honored. It's, I hope it's okay if I wear it the whole time. It makes me look like maybe a tourist or something. I have no idea, but this is, this is cool. Thank you, guys. My first time to Hawaii, all right? It is. This makes all 50 states for me now. I have been to all of them but Hawaii, and um, by far this is the be most beautiful state I've been to. Wow. Do you guys, I mean, are, are y'all used to it by now? Is this, or is this, do you still walk outside and go, God. Yeah, good, all right. I was actually, this is my, for, on my street in Georgia. I don't know if the projector is doing it any justice, but when I see stuff like this, and now I'm in Hawaii, I'm literally FaceTiming my kids driving here, like on the road. I'm like, look at the mountain. It looks like King Kong lives over there, you know, all that stuff. And they're like, Dad, it really does, you know. So when I see stuff like this, I just, Ever since God, like, resurrected my soul from the dead, when I see creation, beautiful creation, I just go, God. And it really makes my heart leap in worship. Like, it doesn't take a, a song to worship God. It just takes a heart that loves God and looks at God to worship God. The reason when I see, I mean, I was literally bringing Little Caesar's pizza home for my nightly church meeting and I'm so amazed by this masterpiece. You know, like we'll go to museums. I've been, I've been to the Louvre in Paris and I've seen the Mona Lisa. I was a little underwhelmed. It's like this big. And so I was like, oh, that's it. And then, you know, so people spend their lives trying to go and seek the beautiful things that man's created. And God's like, if you just open your eyes and if you actually knew what I said about myself in the scriptures, you just wouldn't be able to stop marveling. Like this is like, miles across the sky and it's ever morphing and changing and if you look outside today you just see God's handiwork and when you look at God and God lives inside of you you become a worshiper of God in all circumstances this is why Bible says this Colossians 1 15 through 17 he is the image of the invisible God who are we talking about we're talking about Jesus. I know sometimes it's hard to be like, okay, like, God is so amazing that he's one, but he exists in three persons. Like, Jesus, where do I, like, what do I do with Jesus? Who is he? What is he? He's the image of the invisible God. Another passage goes on to say, he's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact imprint of his nature. He is God. He's God for us. He's God come to us. He's God that we can know, we can see. Wow. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, hang on a second. That doesn't mean Jesus was born. That means everything was born from him. Does that make sense? For by him... All things were created in heaven and on earth. So now we're, we're really starting to go. So you mean everything I look around and see, I can see what he did. The answer to that is yes. I just want to help our, our hearts like rise up to worship this very real and very present God this morning. He didn't make not just everything on heaven and earth, but Think about this, everything that's visible and invisible. 
Now, visible is kind of easy to, like, okay, he made everything we can see. Hang on. He made the invisible stuff, too. You go, like, what's invisible that's actually real? What about time? Like, he is outside of it, and it's within him. Like, time is something he had to think about. We wouldn't have thought about it, but our hearts beat in time. So the invisible somewhat sustains the visible and if your heart disobeyed God's creation of time, you would be dead. Does it make sense? He's thought of everything, man. He's amazing. If you don't breathe enough times, oh, you can't go very long without thinking about the invisible things that even God thought about way before we could. If you don't breathe enough times per minute, you die. God sustains all things. Here's a big one for us. Whether thrones or dominions are rulers or authorities. You live in Hawaii. I've heard a lot of people are really sketched out about what's going on politically. We're all a little sketched out about what's going on in the world. I just want to give my brothers and sisters peace in this room. There is no one who rules this world that God doesn't let rule this world. This is not my opinion. This is what God says. He says, don't worry about it. You belong to me, and there's one nation coming up out of this thing, and it's my people. Yeah, we have all color skin. We speak all different languages, but God's people are called by him, and we are brothers and sisters. I love it when Jesus was speaking to his disciples. It's Mark 10, and they say, we've left everything to follow you. And he said, you have not left. No one will ever leave mother or father or houses or lands without receiving 100-fold in this lifetime. And they're like, what does that mean? Jesus already knew. The church. Oh, you might walk away from some stuff to follow Jesus, but Jesus is like, you're walking to an entire family that belongs to me. You're walking to a world full of my people. And you're going to cross from Atlanta, Georgia to Honolulu, Hawaii, and you're going to walk into a gym, and you're going to find them there too. Man, it's really amazing. The body of Christ. He said, you haven't walked away from anything, Brian. You're walking to something. It's amazing to be with you all. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I hope this is already making you go, wow, God is awesome. And that's what worship is, to stand in awe of God. It's so easy to worship things that aren't worthy of worship. We stand in awe of the latest Tesla that came out. That's my 13-year-old anyways, right? I, I felt so like not a good dad because his friend's dad got a Tesla, and they went riding in it last night while I wasn't even there. And he's telling me all about it, and I just automatically feel like, not a good dad but I have no plans to buy a Tesla unless anyone in here wants to send one over to me okay I just can't do it all things hold together we stand in awe of him so I want to just briefly this morning I want to talk about this idea of then we talk about it a lot how do we get close to God how can we feel close if you would be honest you'd say I've been told a lot of things about God, and I've been taught a lot of ways to live for God, but honestly, the biggest thing in my life is I don't always feel close to God. 
Would you be honest? Is that a concern? I, I struggle with feeling close to God, like really intimately close. So I want to, um, I want to dive into that this morning. Hebrews 11.6 says this. This is going to deal with that in your life. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. We're talking about God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So there's a component right there. You see, for 15 years, I was on staff at a large mega church near Atlanta. For 12 years, I was the drummer of Casting Crowns. And both of those were our livelihood, okay? And within the span of about a year and a half, I've managed to quit both jobs. And my wife is freaking out. Does that make sense? Some of you ladies in the room? And I just keep going, I know what God is doing. And we have to go. You see, faith says go where God sends you. And worldly wisdom says go where the money is. Do you think it's ironic that when Jesus said you can't serve two masters. He said God and of all the things he picked money. So many of us think we're following God, but really we're just going where the good money is, where the job is. Money may be your master if it tells you when to get up and where to go and how long to stay. But when you walk by faith and you walk close to God, sometimes money's that way and you go that way. Sometimes safety and security is that way and led by the Holy Spirit, you go into danger. That's what it looks like when he is your master. And without faith and living like that, trusting in him, he says, it's impossible to please me. Then he kind of defines that. For whoever would draw near to God. You get how that's going here? For whoever? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Well, what exactly does he want? What's it look like to please God for whoever would draw near? God wants us to come close to him he's not interested in forgiving and saving people who want to love the world more than they love him that's not why he came that's not why Jesus died on the cross so that we could get our little sins forgiven and feel good about ourselves while we go waller and chase sin and we disregard him Jesus' death burial and resurrection was a means to an end without the forgiveness that comes through Christ you cannot go to God Jesus came to bring us to God. And how many of you want forgiveness, but you say, no, I want more than forgiveness. I want God himself. Can you say that this morning? I want God. I want to walk away from everything that keeps me from just attaining him. Paul said, everything's garbage in my life now compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. This is the scripture we're saying here. For whoever would draw near to him, okay, so we want to please God, and we realize God wants us close to him, what's that take? This person must believe that he even exists. Whoa. Do you think it's possible to be in this room now and to feel really good about forgiveness and to feel really good about moral living and to feel really good about living, you know, your best life and all that stuff? and you actually don't even really believe in the God that you say you do? Is it possible to do that? I think it is. I think if we don't know this God, we don't know what he wants, and we don't know what he has to offer, and we go, I just kind of want him to give me what I think's good. 
And God's like, you don't even know what's good because I'm good. And if you want good, you get me. So we have to believe that he exists. Right now, if I told you this building is on fire and you just sat here, you would not believe me. Your lifestyle, your actions would tell me what you really believe. The building's on fire. You don't believe that. When we continue to live lives that do not show love for God, that do not show a pursuit of God, I think it might be evidence that we're not quite sure if he really, really is. Maybe he's just something to help us get along. That's what the atheists like to say. He's just something we've invented to help us cope with life. And God's like, no, no, no. All things hold together within me. They must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Who seek him. So I want to ask and answer three questions. Number one, is God real? He's like, dude, this isn't like the kids' church. Well, maybe it is. Just maybe it is. Jesus, Jesus took his, his disciples, said, who's going to be the greatest in heaven? And he brought a little kid to him, and he said, unless you turn and become like this child, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. And he said, you know what? You've got to become children. You've got to be born again, and you're going to be a baby. I know people who've been in church for like 50 years who are still sucking a pacifier, like a spiritual bottle. So maybe we may just be there this morning. Is God even real? I want to help you today with that. If he's real, then where is he? Because I want to draw near. I want to give God what he wants. I want what he created me for. I want to be with him. So where is he? Has anybody ever tried to push your car down the road? That's a bummer. When the car is not filled with gasoline, you must push it for it to move. But if you would just fill the car with gasoline, that's what it was designed to be filled with, you can hop in and it will perform its function and it will not be chaos anymore. It will not be misery anymore. It will be air conditioning which, by the way, I'm noticing is not a thing in Hawaii. I walked in the house last night, and I was like, it depresses me that it's hotter in my bedroom than it is outside. I need a hammock. <laughs> I'm just getting used to it. I just got here Thursday, and I'm leaving today. So this is like the quickest trip ever. So I'm going to be hugging this thing and all the, the whole way, 10 hours home tonight. Where was I? I don't even know. Where is he? Oh, you're pushing your car filled with gas. When you fill it with gas, it operates and functions according to its purpose. Let me tell you something. You were made in the image of God, and you were meant to be filled with God. And until you are, your life is going to be miserable and disappointing. Over and over and over again. It will rise and fall on circumstances, on rain or shine, on money or not. It's going to rise and fall constantly. You were meant to be filled with God. Where is he? And how do I get close to him? Let's deal with the first one. Is God real? The Bible says this in Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, 
because God has shown it to them. Dude, this tripped me up one day. We were out on tour. It was 2020. We were not able to do like the normal shows and arenas and stuff. So we got creative and we started doing concerts at drive-in movie theaters. Those aren't meant to have concerts at. You have to use a porta potty like all day long. Your bus gets sunk in the septic tank. A lot of like, we kept having to call wreckers constantly. And I can remember it was such an isolating time, which most of you can agree, 2020 was a really isolated time. And I spent most of my time out on the road alone, and I never turned the TV on in a hotel room. I just read my Bible. I just wanted God. And I remember coming across this scripture and, and going, hang on a second, God, that's always been the thing. Like, it's hard to have faith because you can't see it. You can't see you. That's, what's, that's supposed to be the, like, the excuse why it's so hard to have faith. And here we have Paul saying, what can be known about God is absolutely plain. God has shown it to you. And I'm like really messed up on this scripture. And I was in northern Pennsylvania that day. It was fall. And so I'm riding in the runner van to the venue, and I'm getting out, and I'm just chewing on this scripture. And I get out, and I'm walking around in this really beautiful, soft green grass. And it's northern Pennsylvania in the fall, so the leaves are like gold and red. And they're just, I'm just looking around, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just like whispers to me, and it like feels like a Mack truck just hit me. And he says something to the effect of, this is not audible, by the way. This is just what kind of came to my mind, and it made me worship God. The Spirit of God said, everything around you is alive. And I just had to stop and think about it for a second. I was like, yeah, the grass is literally growing under my feet. Everything is moving and living and changing. I am breathing. I'm thinking and feeling and wrestling. I'm alive. Everything around me is alive. And then, of course, I had to make sure this was all on the right track. So I get on Google and I go, has man ever created life? And I find these articles that say, we're really trying hard, but we have not created artificial life yet. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just heard from God. Like I wrestled all day in a scripture and then he spoke truth to me and I see it confirmed all around me. Everything is living, and man cannot be responsible for it. Like, can't happen. We can't. And you know what? We never will. This is science's pursuit right now, to create artificial life. But they cannot, they have not and cannot do it. And by the way, if you go to space, they have been to space, they're in space now. I'll talk about that in just a second. Literally, They've never found one single shred of evidence in the universe outside of Earth. And they never will. Why are you so confident, Brian? You didn't even go to college. I got to open up two times now Biology 101 at a Christian college, and I didn't even go to college. I got to share this message. The reason I know that is because God said he put life here. And that's the only place we're going to find it. And that's what the evidence has always spoken to us. It goes on to say, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Doesn't that make you feel like, a little bit like, oh, you mean I've been looking around at life? I've been enjoying life my whole life. And I, I haven't really given the credit to God. It's like I've been blind to it. 
It's like I've had like a curtain over my eyes. Oh, yeah. This is what God does. His word brings life. And we get spiritual eyes. And we begin to see God in things that we don't normally give credit to God for. Ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Wow. Is God even real? God said, we know he created, let the waters swarm with living creatures, let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. He saw it was good. He created all the beasts of the field. And then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Your life matters because it's not up to you. It belongs to God. He will never surrender his right to it. Life is God's. See, that's the problem. That's the problem with some of the political issues is it's ownership. It's ownership and authority. And if you own something, then you have authority over it, right? If you're the author of it, if you made it, then it's yours and you have authority over it. But we believe God's word and we say, no, we don't make life. God makes life. I read this in an article. Scientists at JCVI constructed the first cell with a synthetic genome in 2010. They didn't build that cell completely from scratch. Instead, they started with cells from a very simple type of bacteria called mycoplasma. They destroyed the DNA in those cells and replaced it with DNA that was designed on a computer and synthesized in a lab. This was the first organism in the history of life to have an entirely synthetic genome. Wow, keeps going. Notice the underlying passage now. Because the headline was, man makes first artificial life. And then you go, oh, they slipped it in there on us. They didn't build that cell completely from scratch. They started with cells. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, we can take what God does and we can do whatever we want with it. Like We can really do things, but here's the bottom line. God will never relinquish his authority over life because he is life. Wow. The lady who was doing the study said, we want to understand the fundamental design rules of life. They don't believe in design. They believe in a just happen chance, explosion, big bang, order and chaos and life from nothing. But they can't help it. When they look at it, they can't help but see, no, there's a design and it slips out all the time. It slips out. If this cell can help us to discover and understand those rules, we are off to the races. She says this, life is still a black box. Life is still a black. These are the leading scientists of the world. This was published in March of this year. The leading scientists of the world going, we're really smart, and we've got a lot of funding, but life is still a complete black box. You know what a black box is in those terms? That's something that we have no idea the mechanisms that are working to make it happen. This is what the brightest minds in the world who are convincing all our students that evolution is real in their journals, they're going, it's still a complete mystery. We have no idea. And we have the scriptures, God's word saying, everything came from me. 
So how do we get close to God? Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Remember our three questions. Is God real? Do we believe God's real by this point? I mean, come on. You are breathing right now, and nobody has an explanation for it except God. When you find me a better explanation, let's have another service. I'll come back over the whole thing, okay? Where is he? Where is he? Let's see. I'm not a computer guy. Where's God? I think I'm going to do this right. David, the psalmist, the king, Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall guide me. New Testament, Paul in Athens, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place. By the way, God knows all history and all future. This is what the scriptures teach us. Nothing has occurred to him. Nothing has be, like, popped up on him. And biggest thing here, get this. Jesus was not a reaction to something. He wasn't plan B. Before he created the earth and you and me, Jesus was the plan. Revelation 13, 8. You got to read that one. That they might seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And look at this. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. In him, in him, we live and move and have our being. Can you live a rebellious life that has no love for God when you literally live within him? He sustains your living and your moving and your breathing. Wow. You ever had an ant farm? Just imagine having an ant farm, and you, you know, the ant farm's in your house, and you've got it temperature controlled, and you're, you're providing food and everything, and you got one ant that just comes up to the glass every day and just goes. And you just are like, you're going to get it one day because you're my aunt. And every day he just, that would be kind of funny, but think about it. And would you just want to like one day just go like, and just squish him? <laughs> you probably would. You'd just be like, dude, I'm, I'm tired. I had a bad day. <laughs> right? Just think about that for us. Do we just, are we the ones that's going, I love technology way too much. I love money way too much. Look at me. I'm way better than you. I mean, I love me too much. It's kinda, that's got to be how it looks when we see it through the lens of scriptures. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Now, where is God? We have admitted he's real because we don't have any other explanation to prove that he's not. I have a friend named Shane Kimbrough. He's an astronaut. I met him at a concert. He was coming to see the band, and um, he was standing in the line. It's called a meet-and-greet line. And when I approached him, they said, this is Shane Kimbrough. He's an astronaut with NASA. And I was just like, come again? 
Yes, he's an astronaut with NASA. I said, like, you left the planet. And he's like, that's right, I've actually left the planet. And I was just like, sir, could you please trade places with me? I'd like to stand here and meet you. So cool. We stayed in touch. He had already been to space one time. He was getting ready to do his second mission to space. And he gives me a text and he says, hey, Brian, would you like me to fly anything in space for you? And I'm like, what? Like, you can do that? And I'm thinking, like, you want to take, like, a drum or something? And I'm like, no, nah, the space, the cargo space has got to be really tight on those rocket ships, you know. So I'm like, how about some drumsticks? He's like, sure. So I send the drumsticks to him, right? He gives me this little password thing, and I can email him while he's in space. It actually is a lot faster. It doesn't have to go up and down. It just goes straight down. It's amazing. So Shane, about 11 o'clock at night one night, I'm laying in my bed, and he sends me pictures of him kind of hovering around my drumsticks in his hand, right? And, and he sends me this picture. It's them floating in front of the earth. I'm down there somewhere. We all are at some point. What I, what I noticed about this is my friend Shane, he is right now. He's back in space again, by the way. He went up on the last SpaceX rocket that docked at the, the International Space Station. So he's currently there right now. Um, I still haven't told him that I talk about him all the time, like to churches and stuff, but he, he helps me make such a great point. Shane right now is in space. What time is it? I got to make sure I'm good. He's in space and he's orbiting the earth at a speed of 17,500 miles an hour. That's how fast that thing's moving around the earth. He goes around the planet in 90 minutes. It takes two seconds for a sunset when he goes behind the earth, and it takes two seconds for a sunrise. That means complete blackness to complete brightness in two seconds. When he is doing a spacewalk, that means he's out of the space station in his suit, maybe changing batteries or whatever. Um, when he's behind the earth, it's negative 200 Fahrenheit. In two seconds when he rounds the earth, it's 200 degrees Fahrenheit. There's a 400 degree difference in two seconds. Just imagine your oven just like cooking your stuff in like in two seconds. It's like, it's super fast. So he's out there he's traveling at a high rate of speed, miles and miles and miles away from the earth. And you know what? If he were to take his Bible and go find some corner, some little place to be alone in that international space station, and he began to pray and began to meditate on God's word and cry out from his heart, you know what? The God of heaven and earth would meet him right there. Is that landing? You're not ever in a place where God's not with you. You're not ever in a place that God can't be with you. Jesus told the woman at the well, anybody see the last episode of The Chosen? The one with the lady at the well? If you haven't seen The Chosen, do it. He tells her, there's coming an hour where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. The Father is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So it doesn't matter where you're at. You don't have to come to the building. It's crazy to me how, like, I've done it so many times. You're fussing, you're fighting, you're just in a terrible mood. You're, you're getting on to your kids all the way to church. And as soon as you hit the parking lot, hey, brother, how are you? Oh, praise God. God's like, why didn't you worship me, like, when you got up? We, we do foster care. This is a new thing for me, okay? I've always been very selfish with my time. My kids are teenagers. We've been really excited about them growing up because me and my life, wife love to do things by ourselves. 
Our kids are awesome. We include them some. But, but we like time together. It's just awesome. I, I'm not a hyper person. I may look like it, but I'm not. And so the foster care thing just came out of the blue. When God began to work in my heart, I was like, I need to, I need to be available to kids who need help. I can't be selfish with my life like that. And so I was getting ready for two kids to come. We had got a call, and they're coming on a Thursday. I lead a church that now meets in my house, so we do that on Sunday nights. They're going to be meeting in a few hours. Um, I'm vacuuming because I know i got to get things ready for the whole weekend because I'm about to have two kids, and it's like game on when you get foster kids in your house. And I'm vacuuming my rug, and i got like a little headache, and I'm in a hurry, and my kids aren't helping, and I'm just like annoyed and a little grouchy, and I just got like a terrible attitude. And God's like, in the vacuuming, He's just like, why are you vacuuming? I'm like, I got to get ready for these kids, and I got the church coming over. And he's like, so you're obeying everything I've told you to do. I was like, yes. He's like, well, why don't you just worship me? Like, you're just walking in obedience. Well, just enjoy it. Just don't worry about it. Just worship me while you do what I've called you to do. Don't stress out. And immediately, like, I just was like, so you mean to tell me that this is pleasing to you, God? Like, just the vacuuming? Because I'm just, I'm doing it to, to obey what you've called me to do in my life? Oh, yeah. This is enough, dude. You don't have to be on stage. You don't need a microphone. You just need to push that vacuum and get ready for those babies to come to your house. And, dude, my headache went away. Like, my attitude changed, and that tension headache went away. And I was like, God, pleasing you ain't that hard. I just do what you tell me to do. Anybody can vacuum. That's what life is like when we draw near to him. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of you are trying to prove yourself. You're trying to earn favor with God, and you will die in misery until you just go, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it, and I'll become nothing I'll leave the stage. I'll go watch foster kids and eat mac and cheese. I'll do whatever. I just need to know I'm walking according to your purpose for my life. I need to know I'm obeying what your heart says for me to do. That's enough, guys. That's enough. You can be anywhere right now. You can leave here and your beach day just got canceled. Thanks, Pastor Mike. He said, it's canceled. It's going to rain. And I have to admit, I was standing over there. I was like looking outside at the sky, you know. It's totally going to rain. Just know you can't be anywhere that you can't stop and say, God, I just need you now. I just surrender now. God is everywhere. You cannot come closer to God in terms of distance. You cannot get anywhere to get to him. You can stop right where you're at, and you can come to him. Remember, he's real, and he's here Remember that today. He's real and he's here. How do I get close to God? God always wants us to come closer to him, not in terms of distance. We don't have to drive to the church. We don't have to drive to the shelter. We have to come to him in terms of relationship. God says, if you feel far from me, it's because your love is far from me. If you feel far from me, it's because you love idols. That's what God calls things that are made with human hands that we love more than him. It's hard, but he calls them idols. And you know what he likes to do with our idols? He likes to destroy them. And so if everything just keeps on falling apart in your hands, just know 
You're not cursed. God in his mercy is going, nope, I want you, I want you, and I will knock up away, and I will, I will knock down every idol. You remember when Abraham had to go sacrifice his son Isaac? He was a rich man, had tons of servants, tons of flocks, man. He was rolling, he was obeying God. God gave him this promised son whom he said he was going to bless the whole world through. And then God goes, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. What? And then, and then he obeys and he, and he gets the men together and the camels and, and he takes his son and they go three days, three days of agonizing. Like, God, are you serious? God, are you serious? God, what the heck? Like, I'm going to kill my son. Three days to think about it. He gets all the way up there. He ties his son. He's about 16 years old. Ties him down and the son must have had tons of faith too because he's like, heck are we doing dad and he gets the knife up and thank goodness Abraham heard from God and was listening to God the whole time because right when he was about to do it the Lord said stop don't you think that we should always be listening to the Lord I left the band thinking that I was going to buy a therapy company like we got way down the road with it God was like, that's all I, I just needed to use something to get you out of there because you were hanging on too tight. It was your job and all. I got you out. And as soon as we got out, the, the Lord's like, you're not buying any companies. You're going to Hawaii and sweating. <laughs> that's what he said. He said, stop. And God said, I never wanted you to kill your son. I just needed to kill your idol. I just needed to kill that one that you loved more than me. I just need to do a work in your heart through this. God may, there might be things. It could be your own kids. It could be your spouse. You could be so fearful of losing your family that you can't love God and have peace in doing what he's calling you to do and just simply knowing him because you're so scared. God's like, I want you. I want your heart to love me more than anything. God wants us to come close in terms of relationship. We sang the song Jireh just a minute ago. I love that, man. I love the idea that we have all the names of God in the Old Testament, how he's so many different things. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Not Jireh, not Rapha, not, not Father. He said, I come to make all things new. I come to change everything. I come to bring a whole new relationship. And it's not this distant God who will provide, this distant God who heals. This, no, no, he's a close Father who does it everything for you what a game changer just the word father that's what jesus said your your good deeds your morals please do not rest in those alone there is a difference in knowing god and doing moral things jesus says it so plain not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven Musicians, if you want to start making your way. He goes on to say this. On that day, many will say to me, these are haunting words, guys. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Like, did we not preach and teach God's word and speak on God's behalf and lead people close to God? Did we not do that? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Jesus said people are going to say these things. This is real. 
Did we not do mighty, many mighty works in your name? I mean, are you kidding me, God? Like, I toured the world. We sang songs to you. We sold millions of albums. Like, I went to Hawaii for three. I flew nine and a half hours just to stay for three days and go right back home. And I sweated the whole time, God. All this stuff I did for you, for real? He says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You mean all my serving, all my good deeds, all my moral living, all my, my stuff that I've disciplined in my life, if I haven't come to God in relationship through Jesus Christ and I love him and I belong to him, you mean to tell me this all is going to be counted as sin? You mean this stuff is not getting me to heaven? There's only one thing that's getting me to heaven is if I belong to Jesus and know him? That is it. And that's why we all must become children if we ever want to live this life. It's too easy for people who think they're strong. It's way too silly and way too folly. And we will always try to supplement with our own strength. And Jesus says, no, it comes down to one thing. Do you belong to me or not? That's it. Is God real? Hope you believe that, like for real. Where's God? He's here with us all the times. How do we come to him? We, we do cartwheels and get in our car and drive. No, no, we just stop and say, God, I come to you in my heart. I surrender. I become a child. I've never seen a kid at a restaurant start freaking out because he forgot his wallet. Have you? I forgot my wallet. He's like, I'm just with my dad. He's got it. I've never seen a kid in the car freak out because he forgot his map. Kids are in the back just, ah. Actually, they're more like this now. Dad's taking me. I don't, I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. He's got it. I just, he took me here, so he's got it. This is the mentality that we must possess. So for many in this room and this guy on the stage right here, trust me, it's going to take God chopping with his mercy pruning shears so many things off of your life so you can just be down to nothing and go, God, I want you. You are enough.